And we're live with Angular Air. My name is Kent C. Dodds, and I am your host for this um, show, um, broadcast podcast, all about Angular. And this episode is about the, uh, the new router that uh, Brian Ford has built. Say hi, Brian. Hi, everyone. So we're super excited to have him on the show to talk about um, his last couple months of w awesome work um, on this new router and what it means for Angular and its future. Uh, we also have uh, some panelists, Jeff Welpley. Hey. And he's wearing an awesome shirt. <laughs> and uh, Patrick J.S. Hey, guys. And Olivier Combe. Hello. And uh, let me just go through a couple quick announcements, and then we'll get into our show. So next week's show, uh, June 23rd, same time, same place, with Victor uh, Sopkin. Uh, from the Angular team on Angular 2 forms specifically, and uh, that should be a pretty exciting show. I'm pretty interested in forms. Um, so, yeah, and then as always, follow us on uh, Google Plus and Twitter to keep up with the latest, and uh, check out our website. I got it up there, angular-air.com. Um, and yeah, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get started um, with some good questions here. So I think. Um, pertinent to this conversation um, for some context. It would be helpful if our viewers um, got a sense of what the purpose of a router is, um, because like, why can't I just use ng-ifs or a big switch statement or something um, for my app? So what is the purpose of a router? Yeah, so um, the router is kind of like a combination of uh, switch statements and ng-if. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, the, the, the idea, though, is uh, you want something that understands how um, your application has different states and how you might want to serialize and deserialize them uh, to and from URLs. Uh, and then you also need to understand kind of different lifecycle concerns. So as you navigate away from something, as you navigate to something, um, you, you need to know this. That way you can maybe load extra code. You can load data from your server. You can ask the user, you know, do you want to save? So these are all things um, that you kind of want together handled by a single thing. And that single thing is usually a router or a routing system. Um, so, you know, you, you often think of routing, um, if you have a, you know, long background with web development, you think of things in, like, PHP or in Ruby. Um, routing in Angular is just, um, you just manage the URL on the client with, um, push state or pop state or with uh, hash change events. Um, and this is really important because one of like the interesting or cool things uh, about the web is that it has URLs. And so you can copy and paste things. Uh, you can bookmark things. And so you want uh, a system not just on the server but also on the clients. That way you can take advantage of all of this there as well. Cool. And so um, you recently um, rewrote Angular's router. There was a there was a previous router already uh, called ng-route. Um, can you talk about some of the limitations of ng-route and why um, we couldn't just keep using ng-route? Yeah, so ng-route came from a simpler time, uh, a time when web apps were less complicated. So ng-route basically gives you a single spot on the page um, called ng-view, and this is a spot that it loads content based on what route you're in. Um, and so this is great, but it means that you only have a single level of routing. You can't, uh, you can't use the same structure and nest it, for instance. 
Um, you can't use multiple of them side by side. It's difficult to break it down into smaller pieces. Um, and one of the, the big themes uh, as Angular gets bigger and as we make more complex things is how can we make it easier for people to organize things into smaller chunks. Um, and so that's where this new router, now called component router, um, comes in. Um, so the, the big differences between um, the work that I've been doing and the existing routing system in Angular um, are that a uh, component router lets you do things at a much more granular level. So you can compose apps of almost smaller apps that each have their own routing. Um, you can split up your logic into smaller, more fine-grained pieces and then um, you know, build a bigger, more complex app that still has all of these um, different routing abilities and still um, understands how each part interacts with the other, um, but you know, in, a, in a more fine-grained way. Cool. Uh, looking forward to actually using it. So um, maybe um, now I've, I've totally lost my question. I need a panelist to come save me because I've blanked. <laughs> so uh, there is, in addition to the existing NG router, uh, there is there is a uh, UI router um, that is out there today. So how can you talk a little bit about how the new router is different than the UI router and whether moving forward uh, there's space for both? Yeah, so uh, UI router is a great project that kind of rose out of the community and specifically um, this Angular UI group that just produces lots of uh, interesting things. Um, and it, it tries to uh, fill in a lot of the gaps in... Uh, routing for Angular 1. Um, so the, the things that it does a really good job of is it lets you, it lets you do these nesting structures. Um, I think it also lets you do multiple things. It lets you create um, like these abstract states that all have the same, um, the same characteristics. So uh, it, it does a good job there. But uh, I think one of, the, one of the things that we want to um, build upon uh, based on their work is just the ability to like reuse things. So again, um, UI router is built uh, on top of all of the same kind of uh, ideas that were in Angular 1 uh, or in kind of ng routes routing system where you say, oh, you have a template and you have a controller and you're going to smash them together and that's going to be your route. And um, what we want to do is we want to have kind of one thing, and this is a component, and you know, it has some business logic and it has an associated template. And we want to treat routing as going to that thing. Um, and it's, it's a little bit tricky, because Angular 1's view system, you have this, uh, this hierarchy of scopes. And in Angular 2, um, there's you know, still the same. You can still do all of the same things, but the idea is that you explicitly pass everything through. Um, and so because of this, a lot of people have built their apps using UI router, ng route, um, in kind of a, a, a I would say, a little bit more brittle way where you rely on this scope hierarchy. Um, and so you're not able to break things down quite as much, right? So the, the interesting thing, I think, between UI router, um, which actually has almost all of the same features as component router, and like component router itself, are that component router really helps you break down your app into smaller and smaller bits. Um, and the other thing is that uh, UI router, at least right now, doesn't understand uh, Angular 2's like uh, templating system. Um, I guess there's not a huge reason that it couldn't besides it relies on all of Angular 1's um, services. Um, but 
the component router is built so that way you can you, you build it into Angular 1 and you build it into Angular 2. So you have a set of directives that accomplish the same thing in both templating systems, um, but all of the core logic is, is the same. And so because of that, uh, Component Router ends up being a good way, if you're, if you're interested in migrating between Angular 1 and Angular 2, um, that you can do it kind of piece by piece. So those are the main ideas. I would say, like, you know, I, I don't like to look at it as UI Router versus Component Router. Um, really, UI Router did a really, really, really good job at um, figuring out what the features are and what the, the types of things that people want to do are. And um, I see Component Router as just building off of their work, really. So shout out to them. Good job, Angular UI team. Cool. cool. So will the, will the uh, new oh somebody's feedback or some feedback? feedback. Uh, can uh, everybody, can everybody hear you not talking? talking? I don't know why that sometimes happens in the middle of the show after we've already started. But uh, my question is, uh, the ng route is that going to be deprecated? Um, now that there's a, or, or when the new router is like officially released? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. Um, we haven't really talked about it much, but like if you've been following along, even since before component router was a thing, um, we haven't really been adding too much to uh, ng route. Uh, we actually originally ng route was part of uh, of core. It wasn't its own module. Like when you downloaded Angular.js, it just had all of this bundled with it. And what we were finding is that there's no reason that we can't separate it out into its own module. Um, and we don't, at least at the time, we didn't have the ability to um, like sit down and totally rethink that. Like There are so many other concerns in Angular Core that we pulled it out. Um, and so now, if you, are, if you are doing something more complicated in Angular 1, um, you, can, you can use UI Router or you can use ng-route, and you're not tied into one thing and you're not penalized for choosing one over the other. Um, and so long story short, like I don't think we're going to deprecate it necessarily, um, but it's going to probably continue along the same trajectory that it's been um, for the past year or so, which is it's not going to receive a whole lot of new features. So if you are doing something right now with ng-route and you're starting to feel limitations, you can actually switch to router. I think they also um, have the ability to be API compatible with, with ng-route. Um, and so that's a good step forward. Um, and then from there, uh, we want probably not uh, an API compatibility layer, but some sort of shim or something that helps you. Um, so you know, if you've been building things with UI Router, you know, you're not you're not kind of developing your way into a corner. You're not going off some separate way. It'll be easy to just uh, to to adopt Component Router for, for from there when it's ready. Oh, that's good to know. So um, how does uh, the new router work? If, if I want to use it uh, in a project, what do I have to import, and how do I have to configure my application? Yeah, so right now, um, I guess maybe I should talk a little bit. Um, like, the past couple of months have been just a series of, like, you know, build up, build up, really super excited, like, doing all this uh, interesting conceptual work. Like, you know, what if we move this piece over here? What if we move it over here? Um, oh, what about this use case? What about that use case? And, like, the longer you work on something, the more you find out you don't know. So it's just been a series of kind of false starts. Um, so I'm not, I'm not quite to the point yet where uh, I'm ready to say it's good to use, um, especially right now. 
Um, I moved all of the code. So uh, previously, all of the code was in the repo Angular slash router. Um, now it's moved to um, to Angular slash Angular, which is the the repo for Angular two. And we just don't have all of the all of the bits in place quite yet. So what you can do is, if you're using Angular two, you can use the new router, and um, you can take a look at the integration tests and the examples to see how it works there. Uh, if you want to use a component router with Angular 1, um, there's actually a PR open right now that adds the uh, build system that allows you to take the Angular 2, the, the TypeScript Angular 2 parts, and transpile them and combine them with Angular 1 directives to get a build of the router uh, for Angular 1. So right now, like the code base is in a state where I can't even quite release a new version of component router for Angular 1. Um, but in the next couple of weeks, you know, it'll it'll be there. Um, the exciting thing is that like every time you know we kind of go back to the drawing board, uh, we learn something new, and it's for me been like super disappointing that I can't just release the router and say like, all right, we'll build things with it because I know that it'll handle you know 99% of things super well, um, but I want to make sure that it's able to handle everything that we know how to make it handle, so that way, you know, we, we push the bounds of what you can do with, uh, with routing in, in Angular even further, because people are much more creative than I am, and they'll come up with new interesting things that are totally valid. So we'll see. It's, it's, we're in kind of a, the middle of another transition period here, but probably in the next two weeks, um, there'll be a better story for if you want to play around with it again. I'm curious what the uh, what led to the decision to do uh, or to bring the router code into the same repo with Angular. So right now it's mostly a constraint of the way that our build system works. So um, the build system uh, to produce like the end output that uh, a developer building an app would, would build for Angular two has been a long story. Um, we started off well. Man, it's a really, really long story. Okay, so uh, there's um, there's these features that we want to add to JavaScript um, that are metadata annotations. So this would let you attach some information about a class or about a method on the class or about um, different arguments in a function, for instance. And we also want to be able to attach type information and be able to get a hold of this at runtime. And the reason is that um, if you if you look at how DI works in Angular One, we have like a bunch of different not super great options, right? The first one is um, you just use a function, and we infer based on the name of the function what the um, what the service is that needs to be injected. And like this is obviously problematic communication. Um, like there was a lot of blowback in Angular One um, from this feature, so. We've introduced uh, like strict DI mode, so you get uh, warnings if you haven't annotated things correctly. Um, and then, you know, there there are the different modes where you annotate things, and this involves adding an array of strings that describe what eventually will be injected in some function. And this is fine, but you end up duplicating a lot of information. So you end up writing, you know, dollar HTTP as a string in an array, and then also dollar HTTP as a function argument. And this is also frustrating because these two pieces of information that are the same or that are related are like far away from each other in the code. And we want them to be right next to each other. So um, we wanted to add type information so that way you could say, oh, inject this thing here. 
and you could have you know the name of the argument be different from what the type was. So um, we we had been working on this. Um, Voita, uh, who no longer works on Angular but um, is responsible for its DI system, um, kind of came up with this. Uh, I think I think it's all right to credit Sam came up with the idea of like using this metadata annotations um, from languages like Python or I don't know if Ruby has it as well, but um, so we, we did this and we, we came up with this thing called AtScript, which is really just JavaScript, um, ES6 JavaScript plus a feature that we wanted. Um, and so we hacked the, the way that we implemented this like language, which again, you know, it's not really its own language. It's just two features that we want to eventually add to JavaScript. The way that we, we hacked it together was we used Tracer, which makes ES6 and composite DS5, and we hacked in support for the parts that we wanted. Um, the interesting thing, though, is we wanted to add types, and we noticed that Microsoft had a very similar and um, uh, kind of like-minded, similar gold project called TypeScript. And TypeScript at, at that time was just ES5, so it didn't have that arrow function. It didn't have, um, it didn't have all of the features of, of ES6. Um, but it did have types, and the way that the types worked were totally in line with how we wanted types to work with AtScript. And so um, we'd been implementing Angular 2 for a long time using this system, and then we had to go over and switch to um, TypeScript once we decided that, oh, these two things should be the same. So um, the, the long story short is that uh, for a long time, parts of the Angular 2 code base were TypeScript and parts were um, like AtScript or like this tracer compiled like semi-language thing. Um, now almost everything is in TypeScript, but that means that um, the work that I've been doing on uh, the routing system in AtScript and being able to transpile it um, needed to be reworked to, to work with this new build system. So um, while all of this was in flux, it was easier to develop the to develop the router in TypeScript in the Angular Angular repo. Otherwise, you have to move all of this infrastructure into two places, or you have to pull it out into a common module. And the difficult part with that, um, you know, it sounds like, oh, you know, just have the here's how Angular is built module. The, the problem with that, though, is that when the language is co-evolving with the thing that builds it, having them in separate places means that you end up having all of these like extraneous commits every time either one of them changes. And at that point, it's easier just to put them in the same repo, right? If every time you make a change to one thing, you also have to make a change to the other, then like you're not buying yourself anything by separating them out into modules. So we expect that to eventually settle down, and then the router can live in its own repo, and Angular itself can, can live in a separate repo, and you know everything would be super modular and nice. But while things are kind of um, moving targets, it just doesn't make sense. So long story short, right now the Angular router code is all in the Angular 2 repo. And from there, it'll probably live for a while, but it, it'll still be able to build the Angular 1 bits. And if you look on the issue tracker, there is an open PR from me on this. And I hope to get that merged in the next couple of days, but you know, there's only so many hours in the day, and there's still other um, kind of big conceptual uh, refactorings that we're doing. So stay tuned. It's an interesting time. Lots of stuff there. That was good. <laughs> Interesting stuff. Yes. So I was wondering, um, if if we want to write an app for Angular 2 and Angular 1, is this something that we can do as well, or is this really too complicated? 
Um, I would say it doesn't really make sense because an end user is only going to want to see one app. Like, um, I think what will be what will be possible, and what I hope is that out of this, um, out of the router, I'll be able to extract the things that let you kind of produce both. Um, but you'll have to you'll have to implement directives separately always. Um, but for things like services, it totally makes sense to share them between both versions of Angular. Um, and it's cool because using um, the, the infrastructure developed, you could use ES6, or you could even use TypeScript features and then transpile them down and you know, get all of the benefits of that whole ecosystem, but still use it in an Angular 1 app. So um, other members of the team are also interested in this. I think um, our improved localization support will probably go the same route. Um, Jeff Cross is working on a better data and persistence story, and I think this will go the same route. So the, the cool thing is um, all of the work that we're doing that is for Angular 2 but isn't on like you know, the view and the templating system, um, all of that will hopefully be able to be used in Angular 1 without too much difficulty. And if you write um, you know, third-party services uh, for, for Angular, you'll also be able to make use of this is my hope. Okay, <laughs> thank you. So I'm really quick. Um, I'm going to tangent. Um, I keep forgetting to do this, but for anybody who's watching live, you can actually, uh, if you're watching on the Hangouts page, not on YouTube, you can ask uh, questions uh, using the Q&A app in Hangouts, and um, we'll answer those questions at the end of the show. Um, yeah, sorry to kind of stop the flow of our show, but I need to remember to ask that or, or to mention that because nobody's asking questions yet. I feel like there are a lot of questions to be asked. So, um, yeah, anyway, carry on. Patrick, I think you've got a good question here. I have two of them, but, like, first one is, what are the, the key features for the, the new router? So uh, I think the, the key features are just that routing takes place at a component level. So this means you can have multiple... Um, we're calling them outlets in component router, but they're the same thing as ng-view. They're the, the place that you put content that depends on, uh, on the route. And so you can have multiple of these in each component that has routing information. And you can add this routing information, this um, route configuration, to any component. So the way that you build up a complex app is not, is not by um, just defining you know, a long list of routes um, like you would before in your, um, your route provider, but rather you put them close to the part of your app that matters. Um, and so the interesting thing is that you could even, if you're you know, a huge company, you could each build separate mini-apps that work independently and then combine them all together so it's just a giant single-page app. Um, the router also has um, support for like lazy loading built in mind, so you know, this idea of my entire giant company is a single, like, uh, a single, single, a single page app, sorry, single, single page app, wow, oh, that's tongue twister, um, like, isn't so crazy. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the main thing. Um, there's just a whole level of flexibility there. Um, you can also, there's this, this idea of this pipeline or kind of these different steps that you take every time you do a navigation. And you know there are pre-built-in ones for common common hooks. So if you navigate away from something, uh, you might want to ask the user, "Are you know, are you sure? Do you want to persist your data?" 
um, when you arrive at a page, you might want to you know, record that information. You might want to do some data fetching. Um, you know, before you navigate to anything, you might want to do certain actions. So um, the interesting thing is that you can, again, define all of this on a per-component basis and then easily compose it together. And then you can even um, add your own kind of steps in here. So if the, the couple hooks that we give you out of the box aren't enough, um, you can just add whatever additional things that you need in there. So this will be great for um, kind of middleware type things. So if you want to do authentication or you want to do like some complex permission model, um, Angular doesn't want to ship with something super opinionated like that that is pervasive throughout your entire app. But we want to make sure that this is something that you can do. Um, and so we want, to, we want to kind of make sure that we have APIs that can be accessed to all of this. Also, this works for libs, external libs, I think. Uh, you can write uh, a tabulation lib, for example, and have your own route for each tab, and just uh, release this on GitHub, and it can plug into your app. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, having components that know how to do navigation, I think, is also going to be a big thing. So yeah, like uh, like a tab box or you know like an accordion or any of these things. Being able to make reusable versions of them that have routing um, baked into them is like super big. I think. Now, uh, speaking about components, um, there was a change recently of removing multiple components per per routes. Can you? Um, can you talk a little bit about that decision and uh, what it means moving forward? Yeah, so maybe I should clarify. If you um, pull down the Angular repo and grep for um, router, you'll find a commit that says that we're pulling out the, um, the support for this um, type of configuration. And that's maybe a little bit facetious because what we're, what, what, the goal there was to simplify the code temporarily in order to make room for uh, kind of a more generalized version of the same thing. So um, one limitation to, the, to the, the previous way that you could have multiple outlets is that they couldn't each independently kind of do their own thing. So each of those, um, each of those outlets uh, would have a component inside of it, and if that component wanted to capture part of the URL and do something with it, um, both siblings had to basically agree on what to do. And so that ended up being really restrictive and only useful for a couple cases. Really what you want is you want to be able to have um, two, two components that you're routing to side by side and for them to be totally just disjoined and each have their own routing. So we're introducing this new, more, uh, more general uh, kind of routing. And right now we're calling it, I guess, auxiliary routes or sibling routes, but you know, new sibling routes, um, I don't know. We're, we're still figuring out like how we want to describe this. But the idea is that um, every route has, or every component, rather, it has um, the ability to capture some part of the URL. And then it also has the ability to delegate whatever it doesn't capture to a child. Um, we want to, so th I mean, this is how you nest components, basically. But we also want to support the case where you might have um, you know, this is the, the main part of your app, but you might have a popover that is um, on the screen. And that popover might have, or I guess not popover, that modal dialog, rather, might have some, some routing information inside of it as well. Um, you can imagine, like, um, upload file dialog, and it has a bunch of different steps in it. Um, 
and it's implemented as a modal. And you want to, you still want to capture this in the URL because maybe uh, you have some background upload uh, thing with um, with service workers, right? Like there are all sorts of crazy use cases that are now possible thanks to um, these new APIs coming to web. So we we want to be able to capture those states as well, things like modals or things like um, where you have two things side by side on the page or on top of each other that act independently. Um, and so the way that this works is we introduce um, we introduce uh, a new grammar to our URL parser, um, and we make it possible so that way at each level of routing you can say um, there are these parts that go to this particular child and these parts that go to the primary child, um, and they can each have their own separate history and they can each um, capture their own things. And so this means that everything is a first-class citizen, even these auxiliary routes, and so you can compose anything in the routing world together. Whereas before, you could only compose certain things, right? Like they had to, they had to, everything in the system had to agree, and so it wasn't really truly very modular. So, so when you, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I just had a question about that because when you have individual pieces that are affecting the URL. Um, the one challenge when you're talking about, you know, on the server side, some of the stuff that Patrick and I are working on, sometimes you want to do uh, static analysis to know all the routes up front. Um, so if you have individual pieces acting independently affecting the URL, it kind of makes it harder to do that. So are you doing anything to allow for kind of a static analysis to say, okay, just give me all the possible routes uh, in this app? Yeah, so because, um, so there's two ways to configure the router. Um, there's actually a question that touches on this later. One way is um, you use annotations, and annotations can be statically analyzed. So the answer is totally. You can statically analyze the code, and you can see all of the routes in the system. Um, at runtime, you already, like, you already know all of the routes in the system, um, except ones that are based on components that are um, lazily loaded. But yeah, the, the long story short is that you can totally do this. Um, you can programmatically add routes, and obviously you can't statically analyze that, but that's a that's a trade-off that you, the developer, would already know about. Okay. Awesome. Um, so what's uh, uh, where I'm working right now, we, we're using UI Router and uh, loving it, and we've, we've built uh, an abstraction on top of it that just makes it kind of nice and things, and, and hopefully that helps us uh, move to the new router. But there are some things about the UI router that our abstraction depends on. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious, and I think lots of people who are watching or listening would be curious because UI router is just so huge. Um, are there some features from UI router that definitely won't be reflected in the new router or definitely will that you can speak to at all? Or uh, are you very familiar with the UI router and how it compares? Um, I'm I'm somewhat familiar. Um, I know looking looking at um, issues that like two things that people are super concerned about are being able to like use this resolver thing. This is also something that exists in ng route, and the answer is like yes, you'll totally be able to do that. Um, that's just a, a another hook in the pipeline. It's similar to can activate or you know can deactivate. It's just we just haven't implemented that hook. We just haven't put that hook there. So totally, we need something that says, um, can, you know, we need these additional resources to be injected, and we need to wait until that happens before moving on. 
And there are a bunch of different use cases that that particular feature captures. Um, the other one that I get a lot of questions about is uh, abstract routes. And so um, I've thought about this a lot because I also know that abstract routes are something that are like kind of confusing or not, not always understood by people first using it. And so we capture the same use case where you have um, some behavior that's shared between components or some, you know, some routing that's shared between it, but we know that it's not um, kind of the terminal thing that you're routing to, right? Like there's more things that you need to capture. Um, and so the, the way that that works in component router is you just have a component that has no template associated with it. Right, so components without, without any sort of template are just considered abstract, and they can use all of the same hooks. So what happens is um, uh, during the kind of recognition phase of routing, um, we just we don't have to treat the abstract case as special, and so that's really nice. Um, and then during the phase where we kind of like put everything into place, we just look, and if there's no template, we just continue down. Um, and so it actually ends up being really simple. And conceptually, there doesn't have to be a separate name for it. This is just, um, oh, like, oh, you just don't have a template for this particular thing. All right. So it's nice. So the answer is, um, wherever possible, we've kind of generalized parts of UI router. Um, and anytime, anytime that we can generalize things or simplify things, that way there are fewer concepts or fewer, like, APIs, we've done that. Um, so th this doesn't mean that like you can't do those particular things. It just means um, they might not have the same name, or mechanically they might be just slightly different. Uh, but really, like one of the main things that we took away from your router was the the different use cases that people have. So we absolutely want to make sure that you can do all the same things. Cool. Yeah, I, I like the idea of simplifying because abstract routes takes a little bit of time to wrap your head around. And, like, why can't I activate this thing? Yeah. So that's cool. Sweet. So right now, you could configure your routes through annotation, or you could either uh, inject the router to configure your routes. But um, what about configuring it declaratively in the template? Um, what are your thoughts on, on that, similar to, to React or, uh, router? Yeah, I actually think this is a really interesting idea. Um, I, I don't think that it necessarily makes sense for Angular, because I think that um, using using annotations kind of is more idiomatic or more aligned with Angular. Um, but the cool thing is that because you can programmatically add routes, you could totally implement directives that just say, grab the routing at uh, my level of component and configure it accordingly. So like it would actually be trivial to implement that same system. So I think it's super I think it's super interesting. I'm curious. Um, and if maybe Ryan Florence, um, who, who implemented React Router, um, I think he still works on it anyway, is um, would would use uh, annotations or you know if if annotations get added to you know ES7 or something, if React Router would would consider adding that as an API, because the the cool thing the cool thing about having it in templates or having it in annotations is that you can statically analyze it. Um, which means that you can do all sorts of cool tricks. And either place totally makes sense. Um, and I think Angular and React have um, almost opposite ideas on like where templates, where like the boundaries of templates should be, and where uh, the boundaries of like controller logic should be. So I think that would be interesting. I think it'd be interesting from both directions. So 
Um, we'll have to see. It's just, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you have to choose one thing or, like, one or two things. And uh, I think annotations make, make the most sense. But who knows? Maybe in two years, um, we'll be doing the same thing that React Router is doing. Cool. Um, so we actually, uh, we're coming down on time, so we might have time for one more question, and then we have some Q&A, and then we'll wrap up. Does anybody have anything else that they desperately wanted to ask? Or, Brian, do you have anything else you desperately wanted to talk about? Um, nope. Uh, I would rather use the time for other people's questions. Okay. Um, then I think we'll jump in. Um, we've got a couple questions in here. So... First question from Butch Peters is, when composing a large app out of smaller independent apps with component router, will the components be lazy loaded by the router, or do we still need to load everything up front? Um, so this is, this is tricky. Um, there's an API for Angular 1.5 that we're, we're still trying to figure out how the details of this works, um, but the idea is that it allows you to lazily add things to, the, to Angular's DI system. Um, this may or may not involve introducing hierarchical routes, and it may or may not also involve for Angular 1 um, just wholesale adopting the same type of DI system that Angular 2 has. Um, this is like kind of the main thing that we're still trying to figure out because there's no, right now there's, um, is, is, uh, is Oliver still there? <laughs> so I, I don't think that there's a good, yeah, I don't think there's a good way. Um, the best way uh, to, add, to lazily add things to Angular is is Oliver's library. I think. Um, but <laughs> thank you. Uh, the the you know we don't want to add this sort of functionality unless we can do so in a very like safe deterministic way, um, meaning that you always are able to know whether or not your app will work. So the the main thing that we want to avoid is the case where if you navigate to one route, and then you navigate to another route, it works. But if you navigate differently, somehow something doesn't get loaded and it doesn't work. Um, and right now, the way Angular's DI system is, it just puts everything into a big bucket. And so you can't, you can't really know. It doesn't really reflect the dependencies between um, different Angular modules. And so we want to, if we add uh, the ability to core to do this, we also want to make sure that um, either the whole system always fails and like, throws a really helpful error, or the whole system always works. Like, you shouldn't ever be in the state, though, where like, you have bugs that are difficult to track down. Um, and so that's, that's really what we're trying to figure out. Like, we want to make sure that people building really, really big apps, um, you know, even, even if, it's, if it's the case where it's like, oh, well, you forgot to load this in, so it's you, the developer's fault. Like, we want to make sure that like, we give you that information. Like, otherwise, there's so many crazy things that can happen. So um, depending on that, um, the router, I think, will, will know how to do this correctly. And the way that it works is you just, in your, in your configuration, you say, I'm routing to a component that will be lazily loaded. Rather than tell you what the component is, I'm going to give you a function, call this function, and it will do the lazy loading. And then um, the way that you'll, you'll get this function is it'll be like... A, it'll be something that comes out of Angular kind of partially applied. So you'll say, hey, Angular, um, I want to lazy load this component. And you know, there'll be a, a nice mechanism where you won't have to make the HTTP request yourself. Um, in Angular 1, um, there'll probably be another module or something you have to pull in. Um, or you know, you're welcome to use whatever your favorite loader is. In Angular 2, this will probably involve um, just a, a wrapper on system.js. 
So we'll see. I mean, the goal is to make it as easy as possible, but also uh, make sure that we're like respectful of developers using other things in the ecosystem, and make sure that um, you know if you're using AMD or if you're using Webpack or whatever you're using, it, it works well for you. Cool. That's very considerate. Um, plus one to Olivier's library for lazy loading on Angular one. Yeah, but I have to agree that um, in Angular one there are cases where um, this is difficult to predict uh, the output. Uh, run blocks, for example, are really difficult to, to lazy load because usually they just want to configure your application, and if you do that after bootstrap, it's well, you never know what will happen. So yeah, yeah. it's it's a tough problem. So mm. we'll see. I think for now, Olivia, you 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 can uh, you know use his solution if you want something immediate. Um, or there'll be something, um, I think, a little bit, uh, you know, it'll handle these sort of edge cases better. Um, and then we'll come with Angular 1.5. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Um, thanks for your work. So uh, next question is from Mark Strzok. Um, is the component router going to allow for caching of components? Um, I'm not totally certain I understand. I'm, one, I'm thinking maybe this is the, the code or uh, for the component. Uh, maybe you know. Yeah. So there's um, there's a bunch of different ways that you can deal with caching. So uh, already something that's implemented, if you try and route to a component uh, and you say, I want this instance of, or I want, I want uh, this type of component, rather, um, with these parameters, it'll just reuse the same instance. Um, I think the trick is if you navigate to one part of your app and then you navigate back to where you were before, will it reuse the same instances? And the answer is, I want there to be a mechanism to do this, um, but I want it to be pluggable. So, um, it's still a little bit of an open question. Um, I don't think that the router itself should just like wholesale say, uh, "Oh yeah, like we're going to persist this around with this like LRU cache, and uh, we'll use this particular algorithm because uh, caching is something that's very application specific." And um, you know, maybe there's a, a good default that handles 90% of the use cases, but we we're not far enough along that we know what that would be. So um, yes, I want to support it. I'm not exactly sure how it will look though. Cool. Sounds good. Um, so from the that's all of our Q and A questions. And uh, from my um, uh, as a summary, I guess um, for the router, it's uh, still in development. You can use it on um, on some use cases. It might not be super easy to do in Angular One, um, but it's super awesome already, and it's going to be even more awesome. So um, cool. Does anybody uh, have any other questions or thoughts before we move into the tips and picks? Yeah, I think that Jeff should ask one of his questions. <laughs> well, I just had a question in here, uh, more to you know your, uh, you know, just talking about the eff massive effort that you've been putting in, Brian. You know, the, the, there's a huge amount of uh, work being done on the router. And uh, you know you could see that with the, I think there's something like 150 open issues and 24 pull requests and uh, just you could tell a lot of activity there. So you know I'm wondering you know what's your blood to Red Bull ratio at this? Oh, Red Bull ratio. Okay, I understand that. Gotcha. When I first when I first uh, heard this question, I didn't understand what what blood to Red Bull ratio meant. Okay, um, uh, it's I I don't know. It's pretty good. Um, I don't I don't drink a lot of Red Bull. I, the, there's a lot of caffeine in me. 
Uh, not from the Bobo. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, numbers. Numbers are hard. Um, like, I don't want to say it's a pet peeve of mine, but I'm always I'm always unsure how to how to answer um, questions about like GitHub pull request issue numbers, because uh, issues mean so many different things for for all sorts of different use cases or repos. Um, for the router, I think I've handled issue tracking a little bit differently. Um, a lot of times when people are talking to me at a at a conference or something, I just say, "Can you file an issue and describe what you want to do?" Like th there may or may not be a way to do it, but um, you know it's really hard unless you see code to do this. So there are tons of issues open on the router that are just um, use cases that may or may not actually be doable right now with the, the current feature set. Um, but I, I've, I've at least read all of them. I'm, I'm you know, aware of all of them. And the whole system is designed to, to encompass all of them once everything is fully implemented. Um, there are a lot of um, just bugs sitting around on Angular slash router. And a lot of that is just because there hasn't been a release that targets Angular 1. Um, since moving over to the Angular Angular repo. And this is, again, just because there's been a lot of things in flux. Um, so it's tricky, and you know, it is not just in my control. This is something that um, everyone working on all of the different parts of Angular has been working super hard to get um, our, our build system a little bit better and like, more robust and also handle you know, TypeScript moving over to that. Um, and like this will you'll see you'll see the fruits of this labor very soon. Um, let's see, and then after all of the dust settles, like the kind of higher level, like oh, I want this feature kind of pull request. A lot of them are you can already do this without this feature. A lot of them are oh, you're right, like this is just not implemented yet, and it's not that it's an oversight, but it's that there's only so many hours in the day, um, and all of those will you know start to rapidly decrease. So uh, we'll see. I've been working super hard, but. The focus um, over the past couple of months has been more kind of conceptual high-level things and less like um, just doing road bug fixes. So every time, every time I get to the like, oh, you know, we just need to polish kind of phase, um, we realize that there's, there's yet something else that we need to incorporate, whether it be you know, animations or uh, whether it be like, you know, some crazy use case or whether we've accidentally invented a global registry somewhere or, you know, there, there's just all sorts of things. Cool. I can't even imagine having over 100 issues on any of my repos. I'd be totally freaked out. It means I have good job security, though. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Unfortunately, my job on GitHub doesn't pay me. <laughs> uh, we did get one other question um, on uh, Q&A, and this is uh, from Erwin Mombe. Uh, and his question is, uh, can you have a route that has multiple components that it can instantiate, dynamic components? Um, yes, this will be this new auxiliary routing, this new sibling routing, um, sometimes called double slash routing, um, because we've invented a new kind of URL. Um, it's going to be super hip. Um, just uh, watch watch out for it, and you'll you'll see you'll see what I mean. It's going to be exciting. Double slash routing is that like two slashes right next to each other in the URL? Or? It's it's like it's 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 forthcoming. You'll see it. You'll see it soon. Cool. I don't. I don't want to ruin any surprises. All right. This is an Apple Think Different moment. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> okay. So let's go ahead and, and get into the picks and tips and uh, wrap up the show. Um, so Jeff, why don't we go with you first? Sure. So I have three quick picks. Uh, the first is Patrick's hair. Uh, it's awesome. 
The second is, uh, you know, sort of stealing the thunder from uh, something that Patrick loves. Uh, I'm, I'm really a big fan of Falcor, Netflix's library. I've been keeping an eye on their repo as they've kind of been trying stuff out, and it's really amazing to see kind of uh, how it's kind of grown in the past uh, month or so, and I think they're close to being able to uh, release that soon. And the last thing is I, I actually watched, Kent, your video uh, with – code ship on uh, CI deployment, and I enjoyed it a lot, so I would uh, put that in as a pick as well. Cool, thanks. Um, yeah, that was a good discussion, I think. Hopefully, people um, benefit. So, uh, Olivier, why don't we go with you next? Yeah, so I have two this week. Uh, one is uh, this new article from uh, Pascal Precht uh, about uh, Angular, the routing in Angular 2. And I think that he will have to rewrite half of the article after this show, but um, it's still interesting. Uh, if you want to to know more about the syntax, because obviously we, we couldn't talk a lot about that. Um, and uh, so the other one is, um, I don't know if I already talked about, uh, it's the Angular bed is uh, Slack channel. Um, I know that there is a, an official uh, GitHub channel um, for Angular, but um, this one on Slack is, I guess, a little bit less technical, and more like uh, buddies uh, talking and doing Angular stuff. So it's cool if you want to join us. Uh, it's free, and you just you can hang out with us. Yeah, that's it. Cool. I'm on there sometimes. It's fun. Um, so I'll go ahead and go next. Uh, so if you watched the show earlier uh, in like February, you'll notice that I had glasses, and now I no longer have glasses, and it's not because I got contacts, but I got LASIK, and it's awesome. So I picked LASIK, and um, I got it at Hoops Vision, which is this place in, here in Utah that is super, super awesome. Um, and so I picked them, and LASIK in general, not having glasses is awesome. Um, and then my second pick is um, Gleb Bamatov. Um, uh, uh, he has tons of really awesome modules, so I pick him. Uh, he's got a PhD in computer science or computer-related something, and just, like, super, super smart. Uh, and it's not just his modules on, uh, on NPM, but he also has some really, really good um, blog posts about some interesting kind of different uh, concepts, like... One of, one of the scary ones um, that like threw me for a loop for a sec was he actually runs unit tests in production sometimes. Yeah, pretty wild, but like very, very good stuff. So anyway, um, I pick him. Um, let's go with uh, Patrick JS. What do you got for us? Sorry, I muted myself there, but um, Angular U. So Jeff and I are giving a talk on server size rendering uh, with Angular 2. So I picked that. I have uh, another pick, which is super important, probably the best pick in here. It's uh, Bulba T. Uh, everyone should try it out if you haven't already. Um, and then the third pick is uh, Blastoise from Pokemon. He's pretty cool. Neat. <laughs> OK, um, and Brian, what do you have? Oh, this is, this is not fair. Um, Patrick totally saw my pick, and he chose <laughs> the other one beforehand. Um, but my pick was Pokemon in general, but especially Charizard. Um, I feel like this is in the game where like you choose your starter and the other guy chooses the other starter. 
<laughs> you, like they always line it up so that way your guy loses. Um, I feel like that's what just happened here with me and Patrick. Um, no, okay, so my, my serious one is um, Stalker, the Tarkovsky film. Um, I recently watched it, and I think it was cool. Um, and then my Angular pick is like, it's like a reverse pick. Um, so I really like domain names, and so I bought angular.cool. Um, Angular is obviously cool, but I don't know what to do with its domain name. So um, if anyone watching the show has an awesome suggestion, you should let me know. <laughs> I almost bought um, angular.news and angular.block, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people had the same idea, but there's only one man here who has angular.cool. <laughs> I love all these new top-level domain names, but I would feel pretty um, like conceited to buy can'tseedots.cool. You have to earn that cool. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, I mean, rad. So. <laughs> all right. Um, so, good picks. We'll get those in the um, in the podcast links and stuff. So. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We really um, appreciate you um, taking the time to talk to, with us about the new router. Mm -hmm. Yep, and thanks for having thanks me. Thanks a lot, Brian. Yeah, and thanks even more for working on it. That's <laughs> so, my job. <laughs> so with the, yeah, just really quick, so, some more announcements just to close us up. So June 23rd, next week, um, at the same time, uh, we have Victor Sopkin on Angular 2 Forms and it's going to be awesome, so be there. And then follow us on Twitter and Google Plus to keep up to date with the latest. Um, and yeah, that's it. So thanks everybody for coming. Ciao. Thank you. Bye. See ya. Bye.